The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance is proud to support the sixth Box to Row countdown to kickoff, and we're excited to welcome head coaches from area colleges and universities to the capital city. We look forward to another fantastic season of HBCU football filled with great games, rivalries, pageantry, and unforgettable fall Saturdays. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance works with local partners to grow the sporting event industry in our area. The GRSA has an extensive track record of securing and hosting successful tournaments and championships, resulting in significant economic impact for the region and an enhanced quality of life for our residents. In 2022, Raleigh was named Sports Travel Best Host City. To learn more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RaleighNC Sports. Best of luck to all area HBCU football programs this season. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitney, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. On December 27th, 1892, Livingstone and Biddle College, now known as Johnson C. Smith University, played in Salisbury, North Carolina with Biddle winning 5-0. Over time, HBCU football has evolved. HBCU football's popularity continues to rise. Millions attend games each year and millions more watch on television. The HBCU bands provide some of the top entertainment in the country. Over that time, some of the best players to ever play in the National Football League played at HBCUs. Every Monday through Friday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, national radio and television host Donald Ware takes a look at what's happening in HBCU football and talks with coaches, players, administrators, and media about the season. Make sure you join the conversation on social media now. Here's your host, Donald Ware. You got it locked to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, August 1st. I'm Donald Ware. August is already here, and most HBCUs have begun fall camp in getting ready for the season, which kicks off on Saturday, August the 26th. So we got 25 more days just inside of four weeks remaining uh, until the start of the HBCU football season. Super, super duper exciting. Uh, Just as a note on tomorrow's HBCU football Daily podcast. We're going to discuss the HBCU All America team, the preseason All America team, which is going to be released a little bit later on today. Uh, so, the HBCU Division II coaches poll, powered by Box to Row, was released late on yesterday. And no surprise, Benedict picked to repeat as champions. 17 of 22 first place votes for the Benedict Tigers, followed by Fayetteville State at number two. The Broncos received three first place votes and Benedict picked the game to win the SIAC while Fayetteville State is picked to win the CIAA once again at number three, Virginia Union. 
uh, followed by Tuskegee at number four, and only one point separated these two teams. Fort Valley State rounded out the top five, and we're going to talk some SIAC football uh, probably tomorrow on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Six through ten look like this. Bowie State, Albany State, Virginia State, West Virginia State, and Lane rounded out the top ten in terms of the division three HBCU division two coaches poll. Uh, and so of course you can view that poll in its entirety on our website at box I want to talk some CAA today, but more specifically, I want to talk some Hampton football and I want to talk some North Carolina A&T football in the broader sense. We'll talk some CAA. And uh, so preseason, you know, um, as you know, Hampton is, get, Hampton is getting ready to begin its second season in the CAA. Meanwhile, um, you're looking at North Carolina A&T, who is beginning its first season in the CAA. And um, Hampton had a bit of a tough go of it once it got into CAA play. Will that be the same or will the same fate uh, be set the North Carolina A&T Aggies, we're going to talk about it. So um, if you're looking at any of some of the preseason, um, we're, we're waiting the main preseason poll to come out for FCS football. But if you looked at some of the other FCS polls, um, I see we'll, where uh, your top 25 teams, William and Mary uh, from the CAA is one. New Hampshire is one as well. And then you have Richmond and you have Rhode Island, who are top 25 teams from the CAA. So that means when you're talking about Hampton, when you're talking about North Carolina a and this is a lot of what I heard, and, and, and a couple of things here. A lot of what I've heard about Hampton, uh, and I've heard Hampton people say, well, shouldn't Hampton be ranked in the in the top 25 poll, which it was for a, a decent amount of the season last year in terms of the HBCU coaches poll because Got off to the good start. I believe Hampton was either three and one and four or four and one, but then it just fell apart. Um, a lot of that having to do with the tough conference play in the CAA, although um, some of it was just Hampton in of itself. Um, but but some no doubt about it, some tough CAA play. Um, and so I was given a scenario, okay, about a, about a, about a, about three weeks ago. Someone said to me, so. What if Hampton and or North Carolina A&T, Hampton or North Carolina A&T, um, won nine or ten games this year, made it, didn't win the CAA, but made it to the FCS playoffs, won a first-round game, would, would that be, um, would, would one of those schools be named national champions uh, in, in, in lieu of, let's say, the, the, not, not necessarily the winner of the Celebration Bowl, but uh, let's say, you know, a team out of the SWAC, a team out of the MEAC um, would have a, a, an outstanding year as well because what has happened in the Celebration Bowl era, because the, the, the Celebration Bowl doesn't exactly determine the national champion for a couple of reasons. In the beginning, number one, um, you it, it was because 
uh, if you looked at it, Tennessee State wasn't part of the equation, and that doesn't even count the Division II schools. So let's just let's just take it from an FCS HBCU standpoint. Well, Tennessee State wasn't part of the equation, so you couldn't have a true national championship game. Now that Hampton and North Carolina A and T neither are part of uh, the MEAC or the SWAC, that further eliminates a true national championship game. So we still have the polls that we go to uh, at the end of the season, although the winner of the Celebration Bowl all the years has been named national champion. So I, I would say that. But let's say that was the scenario. Somebody presented this to me. I said, well, of course, the voters vote, meaning the media members who vote on the media poll vote, the coaches who vote on the coaches poll vote. But I think a strong argument could be made. And, and let's look at the let's look at Tennessee State um, as well, um, maybe to a lesser degree, because even though the OBC and the Big South have, have merged, because if you look at it, when A&T joined the Big South, the Big South was a very strong conference. Tennis, uh, OBC, as recent as 2018-2019, very strong conference. A lot of members left both of those conferences, and so those conferences have merged for football purposes. So you have, uh, I forget the official name, maybe the Big South OBC Football Conference or whatever it is, um, but let's say Tennessee State came out of that. I think Tennessee State would have less of an argument than would a Hampton or a North Carolina A&T because it's a much tougher conference um, in the uh, in the CAA. And that is just, and I just named those four teams. I mean, you know, Towson has teams that are generally strong. Elon has teams that are generally strong. So you could have six or seven teams in the top 25 in the FCS poll on any given week. So I think it's a really good argument. Um, and I think A&T and Hampton would have a strong, strong argument to be named HBCU national champs, 9-10 win season, a first round victory in the FCS players. I think both of those teams would definitely have a strong argument for HBCU national champions. So let's take a look at the Hampton Pirates uh, for the 2023 season. It's a team, um, again, that won four, uh, four or five games uh, last year, uh, really struggled down the stretch. A lot of that um, had to do because it's in a tough conference in the CAA. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look it up right now while I'm speaking and, and tell you uh, how Hampton did last year. I mean, beat Howard 31 to 28 in that uh, in that game in Washington D.C. And with that game, I mean, it turned out to be a really big win for Hampton. Why? Because Howard ended up finishing second in the MIAC. Then beat Tuskegee, beat Norfolk State, um, lost to Delaware, lost to Maine, and then beat Albany. So at one point, you had Hampton that was five and two on the season, but then. Lost to Richmond, lost to Villanova, lost to uh, William and Mary, lost to Elon, and lost to Towson. And so that's how the season ended for the Hampton Pirates. It was no doubt um, a very, uh, you know, end of the season that uh, just was not strong for Hampton. But that being said, the Pirates are, I think the Pirates are going to be back uh, this year, going to be better, more acclimated now. 
um, to the CAA. Malcolm Mays, the quarterback, returns, had a pretty solid season uh, on last year. 15 touchdowns through for close to 1,600 yards for the Pirates on last season. Now, they lose a big time. Now, there's no question about it. Hampton loses um, a big time receiver, and, and receiver is where Hampton is going to have to um, have to up the game a little bit so that um, Mays can have uh, some opportunities to throw the football. But Darren Butts comes back, um, the running back. I thought he was extremely strong um, last year for the Hampton Pirates. And just looking at Hampton's schedule uh, this year, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't get any easier. Kicks off the season, okay, um, up in New Jersey against Grambling, then comes back home. Uh, or comes home to take on Norfolk State in that Battle of the Bay, then goes to D.C. to take on Howard, then travels to Richmond to take on Richmond, comes back home uh, for Campbell, and then also on the schedule, Monmouth, Delaware, um, A&T, Maine, and that game against A&T is going to be at home, Maine, William & Mary, and Elon. So it's a tough schedule, and you look at it, three of the first four, uh, well, yeah, three of the first four games are on the road for the Hampton Pirates. And that, I mean, I think that that's going to be tough. As a matter of fact, excuse me, the first three games are on the road for the, or, or, or away, I should say away from Armstrong Field because the first game is uh, sort of a classic game in Jersey. Um, excuse me, let, let me, let me uh, correct myself. Three of the first four games, as I mentioned, Jersey uh, against Grambling, then Norfolk State, then two straight games on the road. Um, in D.C. against Howard, which, um, I mean, that's a classic game, but it's in Howard's backyard, um, and then on the road against Richmond. But for Hampton, Hampton has a bye uh, in between. So looking at North Carolina a and I think, you know, it's easy to say that it would be, it may be a struggle for a coming into a new conference, okay, because Let's look at it from this perspective for A&T. A lot of loss. I mean, competed last year, lost in what amounted to the Big South Championship game at Gardner-Webb. Matter of fact, got, got blown out um, by Gardner-Webb in what was otherwise at the onset a close football game. Um, but when you look lose a Basil Tootin, the running back who rushed for, I think, close to 1,600 yards um, last year, you lose linebacker Jacob Roberts. You lose first-team All-Big South linebacker Taekwon King, all of those, all of them enter the transfer portal. I mean, those are huge, huge, huge losses for North Carolina A&T. What I will say for A&T, um, Jalen Fowler, the quarterback, uh, is lost to graduation, but he wasn't necessarily, um, he didn't start the season as the starting quarterback. He had the, the he had the most experience uh, f- of all the quarterbacks, but he wasn't necessarily the starting quarterback um, to start the season. That said, you've got uh, three quarterbacks that come back. Any, th- oh, I think all three of them may have started at some point on last year. Austin Hooker, Eli Brickhandler, and Zachary Yeager, and all of them bring something a little bit different to the table. Um, and, and I think at this point it would either be Brickhandler or Jaeger, who would be the starting quarterback if the season were to start today for North Carolina A&T. One of the good things about A&T from an offensive line perspective, that offensive line pretty much is intact. 
Um, you've got a Tariq Stewart, who was an all-conference performer. Um, we'll know tomorrow, or we'll, we'll know a little bit later on today, whether he is, in fact, an HBCU All-American as well. But basically, the, the starting line comes back intact. A couple of running backs. You lose Tootin, but you got a couple of running backs that come back intact as well. And then I think the big question mark is going to be on defense. You lose a King. Um, I mean, that's, that is a huge loss um, um, for North Carolina A&T. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but that, and of course you lose a Jacob Roberts who was just a playmaker. But I think when you return in the secondary at one quarter, Karan Prunty, who's a, who is a first team, all CAA performer. And that's, I mean, that speaks to something, right? Because your A&T, you're coming into the conference for the first time. You've got a guy who's on the first team. I mean, I think that really speaks to something about North Carolina A&T and a couple of holdovers from last year's um, North Carolina A&T team defensively is going to help Vincent Brown as the head coach. I mean, I think that's a positive because the last four or five years he's been at William and Mary. So he knows the conference. Um, he's a Bill Parcells disciple having played for Bill Parcells three-time all pro performer with the new England Patriots. And he also uh, was the line, I believe linebackers coach uh, under Bill Parcells his last year in Dallas, I believe that was in 2006. A&T's got a very tough schedule. August 31st at Birmingham, Alabama at UAB. So that's a, a stepping up uh, FBS. Then the next week hosting the defending HBCU champs, a rivalry game in North Carolina. Central the Eagles won that game in Charlotte last year. This game, uh, the game this year is going to be in Greensboro. Then Elon, right? Um, Elon is, uh, you know, a member of, uh, of the CAA, that's a and, and those two uh, programs are separated by about 20, 25 minutes or so. So that's another rivalry game. And then uh, Norfolk State on the road. So much like Hampton for A&T, three of its first four games are away. But then for A&T, three straight. Um, well, no, that's not quite right. Okay, Villanova, uh, then Newark, uh, excuse me, then going to Delaware. Um Newark, Delaware to take on uh, the University of Delaware. But then, they, again, A&T would have a stretch of three of four games at home, which could help North Carolina A&T. So um, the cupboard's not bare for the Aggies. Um, I think that it's important for A&T to get off to that good start, particularly against Central and Norfolk State. Come away with victories in those, then that, you know, then you, you can kind of get a, 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 a pinpoint for where North Carolina A&T is. What I like about both Hampton and A&T from a scheduling perspective, no, they're no longer in the MEAC. They're not in an HBCU conference, but what the Aggies uh, and the Pirates and the Aggies have done is scheduled teams um, that are HBCU teams. I mentioned, you know, Hampton's got Howard, Hampton's got Norfolk State, Hampton's got Grambling. And then for A&T, A&T's got Norfolk State, um, A&T has Central, and then both Hampton and A&T play each other. Um, and so I like that. And then A&T decided, of course, to play a money game as well uh, in playing UAB. This will be the first time in many, many, many years that A&T will not play traditional rival South Carolina State, but I believe the two play again next year um, in Greensboro 
Um, as a matter of fact, either next year or 2025 in Greensboro, South Carolina State will be back on the schedule. So it should be an interesting season for both Hampton and North Carolina A&T, who have, both have challenging schedules to start the 2023 season. So those are my thoughts on the CAA, specifically Hampton and North Carolina A&T. Give me your thoughts. Hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, where you can find us on our YouTube page. You can also find us online at BoxToRow.com, as well as iHeartMedia.com. While you're on any of our social media pages, particularly if you're watching this on the our, the Box to Row uh, YouTube channel. Follow us while you're there. Talk with you tomorrow. We hope you enjoy this episode of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can watch on our YouTube page on YouTube at HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Don't forget to get your HBCU football fix on Box to Row with Donald Ware each weekend on a radio station near you and on Sirius XM on the HBCU channel, channel 142, and on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, channel 84. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest in HBCU football. And don't forget to tell a friend.